How would you like to drive your car without brakes? I know some of you are going to go look underneath and lift the hood today before you go home just to make sure no one was out in the parking lot while we were... Uh, what what if you needed to borrow my car? And I said, sure, here's the keys. Um, one thing, there are no brakes. So be careful. You would say, forget that. I'll find another car. Thank you very much. Would you want to borrow my car? No, you would not. Well, thankfully, if you need to borrow my car, it has very good brakes. A few months ago, I decided to replace my brakes, and I wanted to get better parts than normal, so I put a little bit better parts on, and that thing stops really nicely. As much as I like a car that can go, I like a car that can stop, too. And I'm guessing you're that way, uh, that you like it when your car stops. Did you know that those who are God's children have been given very good brakes? Been given very good brakes by God to help you live a life that honors and glorifies God. A Brakes that help keep you safe on the road of life, so to speak. What are those brakes, you're wondering? What in the world are you talking about? What kind of brakes has God given us? I want you to go with me to Galatians chapter 5, would you? Galatians chapter 5. I want to look together at verses 22 and 23. Galatians chapter 5, and we get a good view, I think, right here of the breaks that God gives the believer. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Now, what are the breaks? What are the breaks that God has given his children? The breaks on the life of a believer, look at the end or near the end of verse 23, I'm going to suggest is self-control. I think we see it right here in Galatians 5. Self-control. It's part of the fruit of the work of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. And while we're here, and I want you to note this, while we're thinking of the fruit of the Spirit, go back and look at verse 22 and note that it says, but the fruit, the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. It doesn't say fruits, okay? As in, I can have a full serving of one and none of the other, okay? And I say that because I don't want us to be mistaken in our thinking about how God works the fruit of the Spirit in the life of the, of the uh, word-loving obedient believer, because the one who loves God's Word and seeks to obey God's Word, God will grow the fruit of the Spirit, including all of these things, and there will be a growing obedience of this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I would call self-control the breaks. If you want to 
think about what this self-control is in the life of the believer, I would call self-control the breaks that God has given you to help you gain control of your thoughts, to help you gain control of what comes next, words, right? And then what comes after that to help you gain control of your actions. All of life is what your self-control, this fruit of the Spirit growing in you as, as well as the other fruit here seen, as you willingly obey God's Word. God is faithful to grow this. And I think this is just a helpful way to think about it. These are the breaks of the Christian life. God is helping you with a good set of breaks if, if you will choose to use them. <laughs> Note that according to the Bible, though, self-control is part of this fruit of the Spirit. Self-control in a life of the believer is a, a working of the Spirit of God. It is by God's work in your life that you gain these breaks, that you gain the self-control to measure your thoughts and words and actions according to God's word and how he would have you think and speak and live. And that's why we would all likely agree it's a fruit of the Spirit's work it's not always automatic, and that's why we would say in agreement, probably if I said the hardest person to say no to is yourself, you would say yes. <laughs> I agree. Because the breaks aren't automatic, are they? They don't come automatically. They come by work of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. Otherwise, we wouldn't need the fruit of the Spirit, would we? We need the fruit of the Spirit, and we need self-control. We need breaks on our lives, on our lips, right? On our thoughts, on our actions. We're working our way through our series on the basics of Christianity. And so far, we've looked at what the Bible teaches about contentment, about joy, about peace, about faith and humility. And today we add self-control, another very important basic of Christianity. And the Bible shows us how important this basic is when it makes very clear that lacking self-control is dangerous. Just think of driving your car without brakes. Have you ever done that? Not intentionally, I mean, but I remember one time I was a young driver and I had a car that my dad let me use, and I think I was 16 or 17, and I was driving through Battle Creek. And I rounded a corner, and I put my pedal to the floor when I, with my foot on the brake, and it went all the way to the floor. And I was very fortunate. I was in, you know, traffic and I kind of just coasted off to the side and stopped. I was really fortunate there were no sudden stops in front of me. And I, my parents were gone and I called a friend in our church who was a really good handyman and he brought his vehicle and a tow, tow bar and he towed the car home for me. <laughs> because you don't want to go anywhere without brakes, do you? You don't want to drive your car without brakes. You ought not want to live the Christian life without self-control. Because a life lived without self-control is not a life that glorifies God. Here's what God's Word tells us about how dangerous it is to have a life without self-control, a life without breaks. Proverbs 25, verse 28 tells us that a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Or, as I like to think, 
It'd be like going on vacation and taking out a full-page ad saying, I'm on vacation, here's my address, and the doors are unlocked. That's like living without self-control. For believers, the good news is this. That controlling our thoughts and words and actions is something the Spirit of God from within enables us to do when we practice obedience. Will you always get this right? No, you won't. You know how hard it is to control yourself, don't you? But by work of the Spirit of God, when we take steps of obedience according to God's Word, He is good to grow this self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. It is fruit of the Spirit that we benefit from as we gain control of our lives. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 reminds us that it is by the Spirit's work in us that we exercise self-control, saying, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Listen, God's Spirit at work in you is not a Pee Wee Herman kind of spirit. You guys don't know who Pee Wee Herman is, do you think? God's work in you is not a measly and weak kind of spirit. It is a powerful spirit at work in you. God is all about giving you power over your sinful self. You need to choose. You need to choose to obey. And practicing obedience, God will grow in you this part of this fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control, the breaks of your Christian life. We don't always practice self-control, do we? I mean, come on, admit it. You don't always practice self-control. If you did, we wouldn't have any problems, right? And we're a church with problems. Why? Because we're a church filled with people. <laughs> we don't always practice self-control. We sin. We say things that we probably shouldn't say. We think things that we certainly shouldn't think. And we do things that we had better not do, and yet we do them anyway. And we look at ourselves afterward, and if we could kick ourselves, we would. Why in the world was I thinking? Why did I do that? We don't always practice successfully self-control, do we? Sometimes we get upset with ourselves for not stopping ourselves before it was too late. Sometimes we wish we had referees, you know, little referees in our lives who would jump in front of us and throw the yellow flag and say, Stop! Not going to happen. But God has given you His Spirit to help you gain self-control. So how do we gain and practice self-control as believers? How do we learn to exercise self-control when all around us are temptations? We've got temptations all around us to live impulsively, selfishly, constantly indulging the flesh. And if you don't agree with me, then you don't live in this world. I'm not sure where you're from. Maybe Mars, right? I believe we gain and grow in self-control when we are obedient to God's Word because we are motivated by God's grace toward us. 
and we have a big picture view of God's love and grace on us as undeserving as we are, I believe we will grow in self-control as we practice obedience to God's word because we're compelled by God's mercy, compelled by God's grace. Because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross for us by taking the punishment we deserve on himself. And as followers of Christ, that ought to compel us to say, I want to obey God, so I'm going to start taking baby steps today. And I'm going to trust that God will grow in me self-control for tomorrow. How does God do that? How does God grow in us this Christian basic of self-control? First of all, by God's grace, he seeks to grow in you a desire for obedience. You ought to note that. You ought to write it down and, and, and be thankful for it. God seeks to grow in you a desire, a want to, to do obedience, to, to obey him, a desire for obedience. The Spirit of God longs to grow in you an attitude that says, I want to obey God. I want to please my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to glorify Him with my life. I want people to see my obedience and see Jesus. By God's grace, He seeks to grow in you a desire for obedience. You ought to be thankful for that. Because it's this desire for obedience, this longing to please God and do what's right and best for you, which is so essential to your practice of self-control. You're learning to be obedient, and you put the brakes on when you are tempted to sin, because that is what glorifies God, because that is what's obedient to God's Word. I want you to listen to second, uh, Titus chapter 2. Titus 2 in verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us, training us, because we need to be trained, because we don't always practice self-control, right? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. The Spirit is all about growing a desire for godliness and obedience in you. You realize that? If you have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He has given you His Holy Spirit to be your comforter, to be your encourager, yes, and praise God. Be your salvation, right? But the Holy Spirit has also been given to you to guide you into the truth of God's Word and obedience to God's Word, shaping your thinking according to God's perfect Word. 
The Holy Spirit has been given to you to guide you into the truth and to guide you toward obedience to God's word and to grow your desire for good works. Equals, good works equals obedience. You see, God wants to grow your desire for good works. He wants you to be zealous, very serious about obedience. Oh, oh, how much I long to see a church that's very zealous for personal obedience. Where we fall short sometimes is we say, I'm zealous for obedience. I'm really serious about so-and-so obeying God's word. Okay, Even though I refuse to obey God's word in that very same thing. Right? Personally. Zealous. You see, God is about purifying for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works, which is obedience. Because God knows, like you do, that you will only do with your whole heart what you want to do. And he wants you to want to obey with your whole heart. Now, a desire for obedience is essential because you will not do with your whole heart what you do not want to do. But it's not the whole picture. So number two, God also enables you to obey by the work and power of the Spirit. God enables you to obey by the work and power of the Spirit. The Spirit enables. Praise God. You see, in Galatians 5.1, Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Slavery to sin. You see, you see God, by God's grace, he set the believer free from bondage to sin. Perfect place for praise God. Amen, right? By God's grace, do you realize that you have been set free, if you're his child, from being bound by sin? You are no longer a slave to sin, so quit acting like slaves to sin, right? That's what we need. We need to practice self-control, but we need to understand that, that God enables us Because without his help, we aren't able to practice self-control. Look at the world that you live in. And tell me that this world isn't characterized by a people who are out of control. And it is so. Not because, you know, our, our politics are messed up or our government's messed up or because our economy is bad or whatever it is you want to blame on. It's because people are sinful. And people need to be forgiven their sins and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and shaped by the Holy Spirit and the Word. And that's why this world needs more than a good president. It needs godly people. It is by the riches of God's Spirit strengthening us that we are enabled to practice Self-control. I cannot practice self-control in my own strength. I know I can't. How about you? You cannot practice self-control in your 
own strength. You might be able to gain a, what a good person, by the world. Okay? But by God's standard, you and I are out of control without the Spirit's help, without the direction of God's Word. So the Spirit grows in us a desire. And then the Spirit enables us. Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. That's not you, that's Him. You see, God enables you to obey by the work of His power, of His Spirit in you. The Spirit grows the desire. The Spirit enables you. And thirdly, the Spirit guides you. You see, third, is by the ministry of the Word, the Word of God, in your heart, that the Spirit guides you in the practice of self-control. That's why you desperately need God's Word. You need the Word more than air. No? You need the Word more than water. You need the, the Word more than food. Because you can have all of those three things and be worthless without the Word. It is by the riches of God's Spirit strengthening us. According to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through the Spirit in your inner being. How? The Spirit guides us into the truth by the ministry of the Word of God in your heart. You need the Word of God because the Spirit has equipment with the Word. See, the Spirit is equipped with the Word that you have, you possess, because you're, you're reading it. And you're beginning to say, this is for me. I need to be changed by this. So I'm going to take a step of obedience right here, even though this is hard and scary and I'm not sure how it's going to work out on the other side. I trust God because it's His Word. And I'm going to do what it says. And the Spirit enables you to practice self-control and you say, I'm going to obey. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 makes it clear that we are to be transformed by the Word. And that's not a little word, okay? That's not a small idea. I'm not suggesting it's an easy thing to be transformed by the Word. But if you haven't started taking in God's Word yet, you need to do it soon so that God can start transforming you from the inside out, from the mind, from the heart, from the soul out, so that your life starts looking like the believer you claim to be, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 makes it very clear that we're transformed by the Word, the Word of God, rather than conformed to the world, that is, conformed to our fleshly lusts and desires, saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's a believer who's being transformed by the world. He looks at life and he says, I'm going to choose what's acceptable, what's good, what's perfect. Not because we're perfect. But, but because we have a, a righteous and holy 
and perfect Heavenly Father who enables us to grow in Christ's likeness. So how is it we're to be transformed? It's by the renewal of our mind. It's by the change of heart that God works when we get in the Word and the Word gets into us, right? And changes us. And how does God renew our minds? By the ministry of His Word. It says Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly. And this is how the Spirit of God guides us to practice self-control when the Word of God overcomes us, overtakes us, and we start living like Christ. So we need not just a little of the Word of God in our hearts. We need not just a little of the Word of God in our lives to transform our minds. We need the Word to dwell in us richly, abundantly, that, that means in great quantity and quality. I mean, because you could read the Bible and not obey. <laughs> so the quality of the word is that life that says, I will obey. I'm going to walk with Christ in, in obedience to, to God's word. We need to know the truth of God's word and we need to be changed in our thinking by that truth. And your need for the word of God to dwell in you richly is why why we make a prominent part of our Sunday gatherings the preaching of God's Word. You realize that? It's just not one of the things that we do. This is the primary act of worship that we practice when we gather together, especially on the Lord's Day on Sundays, to worship together. We make a primary part of this time of worship a worship of God's Word. When we set our lives before the book that God has blessed us with and we say, I want to change for God's glory. I want to obey, not only because it's good for me, but I want to honor God. And I'm thankful and grateful for His grace. I want to obey. I want to change. I want to be more Christ-like. That should be our attitude as we gather together to hear the Word of God proclaimed, not because there's a person going blah, 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 but because there's a person who's saying, Thus says the Lord. This is God's word. We must obey. It was in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verse 13 we see the good reception of the word of God given, preached, which Paul was so thankful for when he writes, and when, and we also thank God constantly for this that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. See, God is about working in you when you accept the proclamation of the word of God. And that means when you read it, and when you obediently put yourself under the preaching of it. We dare not pick out for ourselves men we like who don't proclaim the gospel. We must choose for ourselves those who will lead us in the truth and tell us the very things that we do not want to hear. 
because they are necessary. And God's word is good. It is clear. It is plain. We must obey. And he intends to do a work in us that shapes us and transforms us and helps us know when to slam on the brakes. Do not say that. Do not think that. Do not do that. That's not, that's not all about what, what God's word is about. A lot of God's word is about what we are to do. But self-control is what we are, you know, about what we are not to do, okay? So we ought to be eager to read the word, eager to attend with our church family times of worship where the preaching of the word of God is, is a priority. And we ought to be eager to obey the word of God because by God's grace, he helps us practice self-control as we are conformed to and changed by the word of God. And only then. We ought to make this our prayer today. That God, by his continued grace, would teach us self-control. Humbly yielding ourselves before God, asking for his mercy in our lives in this measure. God, teach me self-control. Enable me to practice self-control. We ought to make this our prayer today that we would be eager to experience God growing in us a desire to obey. And then that we would be eager to experience the work of God enabling us to obey. And that we would be eager to experience the word of God as we humble ourselves before it, teaching us to obey. Can we make that our prayer today? It was self-control, which Paul challenged the Corinthian believers about in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. I want you to listen to verses 24 to 27. A familiar passage, but a good reminder to us about this basic of Christianity, self-control. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we exercise self-control to receive an imperishable wreath. Yes? We an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one who's beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Listen, God wants you to practice self-control, not only for your good, but for his glory, that others would see Christ in you, something you do that's not in and of yourself. Because when the world that's out of control sees a believer who's living with self-control, the glory goes to God. Because that is out of this world. See, God has given us a good set of breaks. A good set of breaks in the Christian life. Are you learning to use them? Are you willing to use them? Let's learn to exercise Self-control. As we yield to the work of God, 
as we yield to His Spirit, as we yield ourselves to His work in our lives. And let's not wait until tomorrow to begin.